0: This is a Crow's Nest podcast. Of course, I need to cough right as I hit the start button. Like that wasn't intentional. I'm sorry. It's okay. That's why you can cut. I know, but I never end up doing it because it would it would it would break that barrier of authenticity that we have so so strive to put up.
1: Yeah, I mean, guys, you're just popping into a casual conversation that two best friends are having. And sometimes there's coughing.
0: Well, not only that, but in case anyone was wondering, this is what conversations with us would be like. If you came to a dinner with us, it would sound like this. Just yeah. insert whatever topic. If it's Disney, whatever.
1: Annoying as fuck, <laughs> or maybe incredibly <laughs> enticing, depending on how much you like us.
0: I was listening back, by the way, to the Black Cauldron episode i i sound way dumber than i even realized i came off as like (laughs) i missed a lot of this movie even when i'm listening back to it i'm like i remember things happening in this movie between what i'm complaining about i'm like listening to myself i'm like who is this i mean when you really hate
1: something you you do try to to black out as
0: much of it as possible (laughs) I mean, that's fair. But again, it's coming back. And I I only listened to it like a week later. It was like, what happened?
1: Okay, but the big question is, does this make you want to rewatch the Black (laughs) (laughs) Cult?
0: Nothing is ever gonna make me want to watch that movie again. I told you, I think I talked about the episode. I've tried several times. And one of the times I tried watching it, I was on acid, you know, the ultimate state in which you're kind of like, fuck it. And I was even then like,
1: Mm -mm. You couldn't handle it even on acid
0: No, neither could the other people who were on acid They were like, this is so boring That even the most entertaining drug is not making this entertaining
1: And then you guys switched to The Hobbit and had the worst trip of your lives
0: I have no idea what we switched to It doesn't (laughs) matter, it was anything else Might have been She-Ra That's quite a switch That's such a good show though
1: It is a good show, but, like, okay, definitely very different from (laughs) D&D. Yes, (laughs) stuff actually happens. Yeah.
0: Well, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing okay. Mm -hmm. I am uh, so ready to dive into the nostalgia today and see where this goes.
0: We just have seahorsing around and just get back into it. (laughs) I'm I'm really excited about this one because I think I've alluded to it 100 million times. Um, the Little Mermaid is my favorite Disney movie. It is my most nostalgic Disney movie. And not only Disney, it is always constantly and consistently in my top five favorite films, no matter what point in time of my life you ask me. And there's some movies that I've watched later in life that got added in, like Coraline I saw later in life because it wasn't out when I was six years old, so that got added to the top five but no matter what age I was, if you have asked me, since I have been able to speak, what one of my favorite movies is, no matter what period of boy in my life, Little Mermaid's always been on that list.
1: I, I also just get this feeling that that's partially why you wanted to start this podcast, too.
0: Kind of, but also because... Okay, so... During... <laughs> <laughs> During the this actually has this is going to be a really long episode. So um, I was actually really curious about the sociology of nostalgia uh, partway through the pandemic, mostly because everyone was really going through a lot during that time. And think about early pandemic when we were literally people were quarantining for those of us who are able to where people were, you know, quarantining at home, not going into work, very isolated from everybody else. Nostalgia became a huge part of everybody's lives, as did a sort of desperate search for connectivity. Mm-hmm. And I started Titanic talk line t- tangentially on that because I wanted to figure out the more specific question around then was like, what is it specifically about Titanic? Because I had noticed with that show, I feel like I'm being interviewed for a different podcast. I <laughs> noticed with Titanic There's two camps of people. I'm sorry, guys. This is, this sounds like a really long explanation, but I promise there's a point to it.
1: And if you didn't already know, Titanic Talk Line is, uh, Alexia's other podcast. Yes.
0: It is my, it is the first podcast that I started. And I started that podcast specifically because I wanted to talk to different people. Literally, the premise of the show is every week, when I bring the show back, I cannot do every week, but like every every interview was a different person. and it didn't matter. it did there wasn't any barrier to who you could. You could be some redditor. You could be a fan. But I wanted to find out from people who were fans of the movie and also people who were more fans of the event itself. fans is a weird word, but like connoisseurs of the event itself, like why? Mm -hmm. Why? Like, what is what is going on here? And especially during the pandemic, when I had the time and people had the time to be creating things, that's when I started asking those questions, like, what are you doing? Why? What is so fascinating to you? And what I found out was that it was all about a need and want to make a human connection, even with people from the past. It's about learn. For many people who are interested in the historical event, it's about learning about the people and the mechanics of how this ship worked. It's about learning the names of the victims and the officers and keeping their memory alive. And that's how things are, are kept, you know, a present. Coco, speaking of a future Disney movie, brings up that concept with the concept of the second death and that that you never really are truly dead until you're genuinely forgotten. And that's part of what I learned from that. And the other part of what I learned was that sort of modern need – for connection. And that was much more prevalent, I found in millennials, people who are interested in the movie. And for them, there was a huge sense of nostalgia. And that's kind of what led me down the Disney path, too, because Disney nostalgia became a huge thing during the pandemic as well, when nostalgia in general was huge. And I just kind of noticed that. And in sort of, quote, you know, pun intended, diving into the sociology of the Titanic community, because I've always been a huge Disney person, it led me tangentially to that because it was like well titanic is its own form of nostalgia because it has people who are really into the movie and then people who are much more interested in the historical event but disney is its own monster disney yeah. is it's is a very different world and the people that are nostalgic for disney it's a very different demographic so i wanted to start the podcast for that reason but i knew that i didn't want to do this one by myself
1: yeah and i think it's an it's an interesting um topic that you bring up when it comes to millennials specifically in the drive for nostalgia yeah uh because we we as millennials do have a big focus on nostalgia and i think it's been discussed in in many different um media throughout the years not just about how amazing it is that we're destroying whole economies by buying uh like avocado toast
0: napkins
1: but there is A draw for us to look back in the past and and think about the um time when the world was a little bit more simple and actually I guess this is kind of true for every generation it's just that ours is just kind of in the spotlight right now
0: sure and also happens is is happening during a time of social media which didn't happen before yeah yeah
1: Yeah, so that's like an, an extra level Uh, that we get to play around with with social media. Um,
0: I know that myself, and I'm sure that you and a bunch of other people do have, for me, it's with Little Mermaid, but a lot of people have extremely personal relationships with certain Disney movies. mm -hmm. And that was another part of that attracted me to it because... Again, to go back to Titanic, just some of the things that I've learned, you know, this is just a few things that I've learned about fans of the movie. This is not the historical event, but things that people have shared with me from that show, people have discovered, have shared that they discover their sexuality through watching that movie, that Mm -hmm. they left abusive relationships because they realized how a person should be treated, that they, you know, found out things about themselves. They decided that they wanted adventure. They knew what they wanted in a partner. You know, people form very important attachments to these movies. And I wanted to also think about that with Disney because- you know for Titanic that happened for one year it happened in 1997 but Disney films have been coming out for so many years giving so many different people opportunities to form these bonds with different movies you saw how many little girls that are now 12 to 13 have what I would consider like that relationship with Elsa because that was the princess when they were six years old
1: and I think um it's not a coincidence that a lot of this happens with, with people who were born in the late 1980s and upwards, because there is, a, I, I truly think that there is a capitalist reason why we have that heavy of a connection with Disney movies in our youth. Okay. Um, Explain. And yeah. So we were, we were talking about this a little bit before when oh, yeah. in another episode, when I asked, uh, when do you think McDonald's started their partnership with Disney and like the Disney Renaissance and all Did we that? ever answer
0: that question?
1: I'm about to kind of answer it now. Um, So Disney started partnering with McDonald's during the time of the Disney Renaissance. So when uh, we got Michael Eisner becoming the CEO Mm -hmm. of Walt Disney and really having a huge focus on the Disney parks and bringing people into the Disney parks, um, he partnered with McDonald's for a promo deal called splash for cash uh, which basically encouraged people to go to Disneyland um, with their prizes there. And then this promotion ended up uh, leading to the Happy Meal promotional tie-ins starting in 1989. 87. 87. Yeah. So there we go. So starting in the late 80s.
0: Oh, sorry. I'll say just to again, give everyone a, a tiny, 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 tiny little time frame. Eisner stepped into becoming the... um CEO in 84. So this is like right, almost immediate.
1: Yeah. So so the pairing of Michael Eisner, uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg with his ideas that sometimes went against Michael Eisner's, all of these came together in the late 80s, which also, to be frank, coincides with Reagan's America and the focus on the economic boom and spend, 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 and all of this um, uh, <laughs> Which is the word that I'm looking for we had we had such a huge focus on material goods at this time that I mm-hmm. think that's what partly made Disney come into the zeitgeist for kids, and thus we ended up forming these
0: emotional connections i I am so sorry galley has noticed me laughing. <laughs> I googled Michael Eisner because I was just trying to look up when he started his CEO ship. And you know, they, um, on, at least on desktop, they'll show you a few photos. Mm-hmm. There's a photo of him standing in front of a weird swooshy background that at first made him look like he's wearing a windswept wig. And it's extremely funny. Oh. I think I see the photo that you're you're Yeah, it's like, I have like a gray brush stroke background, but at first glance, it looks like he's wearing a very luxurious wig. <laughs> yeah, which is amazing because this man also looks like he's very been bald, bald since the age of 16. I'm sorry. I Googled him trying to because I was looking at the year partnership, but that is the first thing that I saw, and I just fell out. of, I had yeah. to duck out of view. <laughs> sorry. It's a pretty great photo. So just Google Michael Eisner for this picture.
1: So, um, uh, not to be too cynical, But I think part of the reason that we have such a heavy emotional tie to Disney is because there were so many toys that could reinforce that. And we kind of, unfortunately, have Michael Eisner to thank for that.
0: I'm Googling here currently, actually, because I wanted to see when they first started making toys. Now, they did make, Disney did start making toys point blank period In the thirties. So it's not like that was a great brand new thing, but what I was looking for here is more about here, what I found. Um, and this is that, I think this also started, here we go. Uh, Disney Consumer Products was incorporated with the state of California in 86. This is from the Disney fandom wiki, by the way. This is exactly what I was looking for. The first Disney store opened itself, um, I'm now paraphrasing, on March 28th in 87. We haven't even talked about Disney stores. No, we're not there. But here's where I was getting at, too. On October the 12th of that year, Disney agreed to a licensing contract with Mattel for Disney character infant and preschool toys in 91 They extended the agreement, which added Pinocchio, Bambi, Dumbo, and the Autopia line. And then they purchased a furniture company in 88 to further expand. They licensed Mm -hmm. with Sears in 94 for a Winnie the Pooh collection. And then the 10-year McDonald's promo started in 1997. In 98, Winnie the Pooh had outsold Mickey Mouse, um... Because of their deal with Sears. And in 99 they got in a new head of um, Disney consumer products. And he's the one who created the Disney princesses and Disney fairies brand. So that's, that's a very brief history. That's like 13 years. So this, so it was first incorporated in 1986. And by the time we hit 1999, in 13 years, they have have Disney stores. Every, they're licensing everything. The Disney princesses become a thing. Because I remember vaguely, because so I was about 10, when the Disney princesses became a thing. When all of a sudden it was like, look at us. We're all together.
1: I, I remember this, too. And I was a little bit older <clears throat> than you at that point. So yeah. I was kind of past the... Uh, target age for Disney princesses specifically.
0: Me too, a little bit, but I still, it's very distinct in my brain.
1: But I think, I think what we are getting at here is, is kind of a fascinating fascinating epiphany, which is the reason that there's so much Disney nostalgia is because there's so much Disney merchandise.
0: And there was a huge emphasis too, because you were mentioning you didn't even get into the Disney stores. Yeah. That's how Disney was accessible consumerly. I mean, again, you didn't okay let's go back to the 90s guys yeah. you got catalogs you didn't go online to sears.com you got a catalog
1: in the physical snail mail
0: in the physical snail mail um to order things that did not appear in your local comp in your local store and if you were lucky you did live near amala had a disney store and that is how you yes we did i we were in maryland and there was one in lake forest mall i remember there
1: for me it was um in Colorado yep and I'm not going to remember them all right now actually maybe was it no it wasn't Cherry Creek was it Mm. I don't know I'll look it up (laughs) yeah like
0: Forest Mall had a Disney store and I remember it that was like that was where you got to go to see all the Disney stuff in person because again you 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 know (laughs) there also weren't that many franchises and stores at the time so it was a much bigger deal and you'd go on and the commercials on tv were always featuring these toys that you may not be able to see in person unless you went to like a toys r us Mm -hmm. which you know once again you have to get your parents to take you there and why would they take you to a designated toy store
1: and the disney store at least at least what i remember it in the 90s maybe it went through a, a bit of a design initially but i think what i remember at least in the 90s is it was meant to be uh like you were walking into a a mini version of the disney parks like you could really? physically see this store on main street in the disney parks um it it's supposed to Feel very produced, feel very magical they, it, it, in mind, they had this massive screen that would be playing Disney movies constantly, mm-hmm. Of course, you're surrounded by all of the toys that you normally couldn't find in your target or your Walmart. Yes, because um, they didn't
0: have the licensing deals at the time. I think there was yeah. i bet I bet there was some sort of weird distance radius where you can't have Disney toys if there is a Disney store with an x distance.
1: Yeah. And I would say the the employees that worked at that store, they were definitely meant to be like Disney cast members and that they were always friendly, kind of the equivalent of like the Build-A-Bear employees Mm -hmm. playing into the magic of Disney when you visited.
0: Yes. And I remember there being just like the shelves were always overflowing like they wanted it, it was just bursting with toys, the whole store.
1: Yeah. Did yours do you recall if yours had events?
0: So we didn't really go to the mall that often because we live quite far away. Um, I don't know. I'm betting you that they did and I just don't know about them.
1: My, so mine did because we live close enough to the mall that I went to. Th- this this was part of my childhood was doing a lot of uh, Disney mm-hmm. stuff at the mall. Um, that makes so sense I, though. Yeah. I mean, this is also a very like late 80s, 90s thing to go to yeah. the mall and have things happening. Where no, else? I mean, I
0: mean, it was a serious question. Where else were things happening? They, they would happen at the mall or community centers? Yeah. yeah.
1: Um but I remember visiting like Disney Princesses. I distinctly remember dressing up as Jasmine and meeting yeah. Jasmine. <laughs> <the> yeah.
0: <Marvel. laughs> I'm pretty sure that they did that because as you were saying, these are meant to be like microscopic versions of the Disney world. Yeah. For people in places that didn't have Disney. So, you know, we didn't go often, but I'm sure that there were cuz whenever we would walk by the Disney store, I would see other little girls wearing their Disney costumes and shopping and stuff happening we didn't really go in a lot my parents didn't let me go in a lot
1: (laughs) oh I went in all the time but it wasn't most of the time I didn't buy anything um but it was just
0: fun being a little kid and being in that
1: store was like magical
0: I was a kid with ADHD my parents didn't want to lose track of me so but yeah I mean it's it, it it's a big deal you know, play is really important for for kids. It helps you create these bonds. It's why kids have imaginary friends, or they think that they're friends with Cinderella.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think it's why a lot of us still have some um, some preferred Disney character connection. Like right. you were saying initially, there's kind of like this one. That we always hold a little bit more dear to our hearts more than anything else. And it doesn't matter if you're not considering yourself like a Disney adult or you don't really care about Disney. No. I think if somebody were to talk to you and say, who's your favorite Disney character? You would still be able to say, even if you don't like Disney.
0: Yeah, you might be able to. It might, you might be like, eh, I'm not a huge fan, but I kind of like, I don't know. I like Sebastian. He's kind of cool.
1: Yeah. And it, it's it's funny now because uh, Disney has become so much of a monster that it's kind of impossible to not say who your favorite disney character is because we can include star wars and tons of other stuff in there too marvel yeah
0: Yeah. Um, oops i just keep hitting my head on my microphone i'm having one of those days
1: i thought you were saying oops because of uh oh oops disney became an even worse capitalistic monster i mean they
0: did but also mostly it's because i keep hitting my head on my microphone yeah um do we have another question
1: I mean, we always have the well, if you want oh. to do the summary, you could do the summary but otherwise our question is what was your relationship with this movie as a child which I think we've kind of been getting into Uh,
0: Yeah, I can be slightly more specific about that though Yeah, the, please The movie came out in 89 and it was released on VHS in 1990. I looked this up because it's important. Mm-hmm. I had open heart surgery in 1991. December of 1991 to be very specific December 16, 1991 <laughs> and, <laughs> And again, what going time? back, <laughs> it was morning. Um... <laughs> 7.15 a.m. It was an early morning surgery. I know this. And I also know that they had to close down an entire ward for me because of potential um, infection. And they had a specialized crew. Only they could come in and out. Like,
1: Ooh, you were E.T. not
0: that wild? Yeah, I was E.T. for a minute. Um, I was also in a coma for two weeks. So yeah, definitely an alien. <laughs> but going back to entertainment in the 90s, like another thing that I don't think we may have touched on over the course of the show is that children's tv unless you had cable and had the disney channel wasn't a thing like pbs yeah. kids had designated hours if outside of that there wasn't exactly kids television so if you wanted to have something for your kids they were vhss and you know vhss are physical media you have to have them and carry them with you and it, it's it's a little inconvenient but that's the o- one and the only vhss that i had in the hospital When I finally was allowed to like wake up and do stuff, and I watched that movie on repeat ad nauseum, it was my favorite. I loved Ariel. I wanted to swim and splash around like her, and sing and be happy. And one of my early, (laughs) one of my earliest memories is of me being a grouchy brat, (laughs) which should surprise nobody, (laughs) because my mom. And by the way, I'm on my mom's side as an adult because my mother. Um, seeing that her child had watched the same movie six hundred and ninety-seven times, um, and that there was another little girl on the floor who was also in for a procedure who did not have any home entertainment, might like to watch a movie. And she loaned my video to this girl. Because she Oh, didn- how dare she? Here's the thing. If she knew if she asked me, I would say no. Of course. Um Right. And I'm two. I was two and a half years old. So it's like I'm not gonna argue with a two and a half year old who was attached to a bunch of wires. What is she gonna do? Nothing. so I remember I think someone like I don't remember if I was on a walk or if we were taking the gurney around or if I was going to an appointment or something but I remember going by either the playroom she was in or the room she was in and I could see her watching this movie and I was very mad did you say do you remember saying anything no I said nothing because again I was two and a half yes I was very huffy and as an adult by the way as a person in my 30s I'm now like my mom did the right thing like, that girl was bored out of her fucking skull. She also had nothing else to watch. And unlike me, she didn't have a movie with her. So it's like, come on. My kid can hang out for 90 minutes.
1: <laughs> I think I'm more impressed about the fact that your mom was telling the truth and not just using this as an excuse to not have to hear that fucking movie <laughs> one more time. Like, I think
0: many parents do. Absolutely pretty tolerant. But okay, I'm gonna. There's a couple of moments where she has absolutely had enough with what's happening on the screen in front of her. One is when I was watching the English dub of the Sailor Moon R movie one too many times oh, because no. oh god, the English dubs. For anyone who's not seen that movie, English dubs from Sailor Moon are a special kind of incredible, but especially when they're yelling or screaming. Because we it's, also
1: have to point out, this is the original Sailor Moon. Yes. there's new
0: sailor moon yes no, no, this is this is like 96 it was very bad this is very bad so what she's hearing accurately is them being like in pain and it's just like ah. yep. that's and yeah. she and I did not realize how over it she was until after they stopped she went <laughs> it just left
1: the room your mom made sounds like a whale
0: yeah she was completely over it and um the other time that's happened was when my brother and i were watching um dragon prince which is a more recent um oh, no. this is a show on netflix but it's also a show for kids so there's a few moments where they're like it's not just on the nose but it's like a hand on the face yeah There's The the villain's coming forth and he goes, in the black sands of the Midnight Desert. And I already knew that was too much, but my mom decided to let us know by from the kitchen going, in the black sands of the Midnight
1: Desert. Just mocking it. (laughs) That's uh, great.
0: She's over it.
1: So, okay, so you you (laughs) really started to form a connection with this movie um, because you watched it ad nauseum. uh, Legitimately. In while you were having you know, open heart surgery and re- mm-hmm. and recovering from that, which makes yeah. total sense. Were there any other movies that you were
0: watching at the time? I don't remember them.
1: Okay, I'm so I'm sure also going to say this might be a ones. failing on your parents' part for only bringing in one I get But
0: I do also want to, like I had just pointed out though, two things I want to point out. One, it's a physical thing. You'd have, Like my parents would actually have to remember to go to the house and pick up a video and bring it with yeah, them. that's fair. And number two, I was two and a half. Kids can watch the same like, how many, okay, anyone who has, who had a, like, a four to seven-year-old girl in their life around the time Frozen came out? Oh, yeah, everyone's complaining. But, but that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, a kid yeah. Yeah, will watch it without a single break. Like, as soon as it's end, rewind, Yeah, so yeah. So I think that might have also just been me being like, I don't need any other movies.
1: I think that's really interesting because, um, obviously you were... Put into a particular situation where mm-hmm. you, you might have been limited in what movies you could watch too, but it sounds like you were really choosing.
0: Probably a combo of the two. Yes.
1: What about when you got home? Did you continue to watch Little Mermaid?
0: I don't have other mem- like That is one of the earliest memories I have of my childhood. And it's a very quick snippet. And again, I know that there's people out there who think you can't have memories of that age. And maybe it's just me forming a memory off of stories people have told me. However... I don't have distinct memories of watching or not watching other movies once I got home from my surgery. I have memories of just being a kid in general in mm-hmm. the living room, rolling around on the carpet, sitting on the couch and watching various Disney films at points in my life. But do I have any distinct memories of that specifically? No.
1: And then uh, throughout more of your childhood, how mm-hmm. did The Little Mermaid
0: come back into play? I just always came back to the movie. Literally, I just watched it so much. I, lo- I, like, I loved it. So it's it just was, a comfort thing. It's a comfort. It's it is and always has been. It's and there's. We'll get into it more now that I've wasted an hour of everyone's time. Um, but when we actually get into talking about the movie, there's actually, especially as an adult, some lessons that I think that I picked up on subtly as a kid, where I might have noticed and been like, "I like that." But as an adult, I'm kind of like, "I'm actually not mad that this is the movie I chose to model on, as opposed yeah. to some of the others." Um, no, that's fair. Yeah, there's a few decisions that Ariel makes where you're kind of like, "Girl." But there's a few decisions where I'm sort of like I understand where you're coming from, and it's it's a choice you're making, mm-hmm. and it's important to be able to follow through on your own choices. Yeah. Well, but, I think um, I'll look forward to when we get to that point. Yeah, but um, I know that we've mentioned touched on it briefly, and I think we're going to get to it in a couple of weeks that Beauty and the Beast was one of your really really not, no, not om- but Aladdin, um, Aladdin. I was like, I'm looking well, at both of them because they're on the same page in front of me right now but we're going to get to that in a couple weeks
1: yeah well that that to say I did actually have a pretty uh big tie with The Little Mermaid as
0: well I was just about to say but tell me what your relationship with this one is
1: yeah so you you brought up that this uh didn't come out onto VHS until 1990 and I'm
0: in 1990
1: yeah i i i don't i i must have seen this in theaters i have no recollection of that but i know that i had it on vhs because yeah. i know that i have one of the old VHSs where uh it has that controversial uh cover <laughs> um where it looks like there's a dick drawn in and there totally is a dick
0: in the it's cast. very phallic it's very phallic there's very you know phallic.
1: I. this is a sidebar but um i have noticed a lot more uh, seas, uh as I've been drawing Disney, <laughs> especially when it comes to seagull no- noses they're very dick- like so sorry this is a little <laughs> side. No, I like
0: th- I like this I just don't have an actual response to it <laughs>
1: yeah but it makes me a stick hackle a bit anyway so <laughs> the little mermaid I
0: and dick noses
1: and dick noses I don't remember what. Like I don't specifically remember watching it, but I do mm-hmm. remember that this 100% started my obsession with mermaids. And this is. Also oh, the- same.
0: Absolutely. That's why I'm, I think this yeah. is why millennials are obsessed. Yes.
1: Um, and this is also the the pivotal moment in my life that I can remember drawing and oh. like starting to draw. So I tried my best to draw what I could remember um my illustrations looked like when I first started drawing mermaids. And I'll I'm
0: oh, know- sorry. I can see the Georgette on the other side. It looks oh, like wait. she's reacting to your sketch.
1: Oh pure perfection.
0: Yeah, I like from it. Oliver and company. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I'm sorry, for it from last week. Yeah. <laughs> but
1: like so I have this I have this That's distinct awesome. clear memory of um do you remember or did you ever have uh, these like plastic trays that underneath would have um, some way to like have it on your lap so you could like read yeah. a book or, or write? Yeah. yeah,
0: I have one of them in my house somewhere. Yeah, they still exist. I had one that was
1: bright yellow and I decided to draw on it, mm-hmm. like physically on the plastic. Yes. And, it's, and I remember drawing like three or four mermaids that all kind of looked like that happy nice. drawing all because of Ariel
0: you know i think that you bringing up your art point is really interesting because i was going to save this till later but the first thing i can ever remember singing is ariel's vocalizing
1: yes and that's the other thing is i also remember singing who does it the who little did? mermaid ad nauseum yeah oh i gosh. i had the cassette i remember mm-hmm. playing it in my room as a little kid <clears> there and i remember doing this with a lot of sure um, Disney music obviously you did too mm-hmm. but this in particular um was was really fascinating to me because when I rewatched, th- this is the first time I think I've watched The Little Mermaid since I was a little kid oh as soon as part of your world came on I just knew the lyrics oh
0: god it taps into you it taps into you but where I was going was not that I was going for that vocalizing she does I think that Uh, that one Uh, yeah I remember in the same way that there hasn't really been like a vocalizing phrase but like it was just so easy to do you didn't need to know any of the words of the song Mm -hmm. and even as a kid just like vague awing, like it was it's close enough it it was close enough and you were singing like a mermaid yeah (laughs) that's what it was yeah
1: I I think what we're tapping into here is um, as little girls,
0: Mm -hmm. we
1: wanted to be mermaids. We wanted to sound like mermaids. We wanted to look like mermaids. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I don't. Okay. Here's my, here's my question. Did you ever, do you ever recall dressing up as Ariel?
0: I don't think so. And I think that has more to do with just the availability of costumes. Like my parents were not big on buying a ton of store-bought costumes did they make
1: any did you make okay my my mom used to make make costumes because we also didn't we we kind of if we bought costumes they were the really like crappy
0: yeah we'd go to like party city or whatever yeah i remember halloween or something i
1: definitely uh distinctly remember uh non-pc but when it was widely available i remember getting a um native american oh the pocahontas uh, it wasn't the pocahontas one it was a native american costume that then i said i was pocahontas in excellent so like (laughs)
0: off-brand it's possible i did ariel i have a memory of dressing as Belle because the sleeves on the dress were itchy as fuck yeah but that was a few years later that that's when i was old enough to start remembering like the costumes that i wore
1: yeah
0: i might have been ariel when i was just little like my parents made dress me up as when i was three
1: so I'm trying to think too. I'm I might have been Aerial too, but I don't think I was. I don't I don't remember ever having like the red
0: wig. Neither do I. But I don't. I wasn't a wig kid. Like even when mm. costumes came with wigs and headpieces, I was like, Mm-mm. I loved him. No, oh, I didn't want stuff on my head. Get it off. Get it
1: off. I, as somebody who had um crazy curly hair and would scream when her mom would try to brush the hair, I think I liked wearing wigs.
0: I guess that's valid. I would just put my hair back.
1: Yeah, but yeah. solved. So both of us had we've 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 spent quite a bit of time talking about our nostalgia with this movie, which is wonderful. And I encourage everybody listening to pause mm-hmm. the podcast here and just like think about yeah. what your relationship was. Maybe not with The Little Mermaid, but what the, your first Disney movie.
0: And yeah, the one fields. that really the one that impacted you. Um... Yeah. Yeah, I once again forgot to write a summary so I can do a quick improv, but also because we spent so long on it and I really want to get into the movie. I'm just going to go like super quick. Basically, uh, Little Mermaid came out in 1989. It was the, I believe, the first movie that's a part of the Disney Renaissance.
1: Oh, official. <laughs> I think we're going to say it's official because Disney <laughs> Renaissance technically started with the great mouse detective.
0: Mm, but, yeah. but
1: the Little Mermaid, I think, was the biggest like, okay, was- we are in it.
0: Well, it's also at the time it was the movie that Disney spent the most money on. And, you know, this was kind of their giant launch and like, we're really going to do an animated movie. Yeah. It follows Ariel, the youngest of seven daughters of Triton, the King of the Sea, who falls in love with a human that she saves from drowning during a shipwreck. She decides to become human herself, trading her voice to a sea witch to do so under the promise or curse that if Eric does not fall in love with her in three days time, she will turn into a mermaid and belong to the witch. Ultimately love prevails and they end up being married and living happily ever after.
1: And let's um, be real here. You okay. guys all knew the plot to the little mermaid. Everyone yeah. knows the plot to the little mermaid. Right. Like,
0: I don't know even know why I'm explaining it to you guys, but I guess my quick summary would be the little mermaid is about what happens when teenagers are just allowed to do the things that they want. And um, when, when, strict parenting and purity culture kind of get a little bit in that in the way because triton basically accidentally alienates his daughter who is obsessed with humans enough to the point where she goes off to the local witch palm reader person trades her literal voice to get legs and bubbles up to the surface for three days to try to make someone fall for her because that's an absolutely healthy amount of time to develop a lifelong relationship unfortunately there's a bunch of hijinks involving the evil sea witch herself that Culminate in a battle royale offshore. It's like slightly offshore because Eric can still get there without needing like a motor.
1: Eric is a little bit of a merman. We'll get uh, into it. But we this have. I have
0: wrath. Way, way too. I have well. a lot to say about Eric. Yeah, all good things. <laughs> well, <laughs> I do think that Eric is one of the first healthy Disney princesses. Anyway, as I said, in the first summary: love triumphs, and happily ever after. At the end. Um,
1: I. I have um, a couple of of just behind the scenes things to Mm -hmm. mention about this movie. Um, So The Little Mermaid is the last feature film to use the traditional hand-painted cell method of animation. After this, uh, Disney moves to doing complete um,
0: computer animation. I think you can really tell, too. You can really tell. If you look at the trailer for The Rescuers Down Under, which, hold on. That came out one year later. Watch yes. the trailer for the Little Mermaid, the original trailer, and then watch the trailer for um, Rescuers Down Under. Just look at the not even quote the quality difference. Just look at the style.
1: Yeah, and and the the style of animation that they moved to is called Caps Computer Animation Production System, um, mm-hmm. which is basically just being able to uh, draw cells digitally. Um, it's Interesting. obviously become very very much more advanced now. Mm -hmm. and the other thing that i want to point out about this movie and the reason that um it feels i would say it feels so different to previous disney movies uh even once it had a high emphasis on music is because this film um was developed as a broad like it was made to be a broadway musical on screen uh and they brought in howard ashman and alan menken to score the film and we can you, you can really mm-hmm. tell uh, with the way that this movie is um, w- with the way the plot is structured and with the way that the songs are almost constant throughout the entire movie and with thousands of reprisals excuse me
0: and also that the um, the orchestrations are very very carefully crafted yes um, like I wrote one of the first notes that I wrote for this movie here is this orchestration goes so hard yeah and it's and it's one of those things because even as a kid, I remember that orchestral suite from the intro. It's not a song with words. It's not a particularly exciting intro, but I fucking remember it. And when that music swelled, oh my gosh, excuse me. I'm sorry, everyone. I was drinking a Dr. Pepper to try to wake up and now all the bubbles are catching me.
1: Ooh, uh, with the little mermaid, you're under the sea in your tummy.
0: Very much so. <laughs> but um, there's this part in the intro where, the music swells up. We're following the mermaids over and the vocalization rises. up. It's like, Oh, ah! and that's when you see the castle and all the mermaids are swimming into it. And you get this sense of how big it is and how grand it is. And yeah. it's like, I, sorry, I, there's gonna be so many moments during this movie where I'm like, I teared up because I got like a little, I was like, I remember watching this as a kid, just like getting excited. Cause I'm like, the movie's going to start now. It's yeah. about to start. And and that's also a
1: very uh, typical thing <laughs> that you find in, in musical theater is the beginning um, is almost a, an amalgamation of some of like the biggest songs.
0: An overture, they call it.
1: Yes, an overture. Um, and you get to hear the little snippets of songs kind of uh, exciting you. <laughs> Mm -hmm. to continue to listen and especially getting to hear that swell of part of your world.
0: Exactly.
1: It's like, you know, what's coming. Even if you don't know the plot of this movie, you know, that something
0: musically exciting is about to entice you. That's going to be a musically significant portion of the film. And interestingly enough, I was scrolling down here and looking at a bunch of the awards that it was nominated for. A lot of them are musically related and they're related to under the sea and kiss the girl. I have to say, though, Part of Your World is my personal favorite song from this one. I find the other two, maybe it's because I've heard the other two in so many things. They've been in sing alongs, they've been in toys where you press the button and they sing at you, they've been in commercials, they've been addicted, they've been in so many things. Where I'm just like, oh God, I've heard them so many times. But, and also I, because I love Part of Your World so much, I love this, the intro of the overture.
1: Yeah, that's actually kind of a, that, that's fascinating. I didn't realize that Part of Your World didn't have as many, um, award nominations because i got the i also got the feeling that this is such a a, part of your world is such a good uh monologuing song
0: well it's the it's i think one of the not to say that the other disney princesses songs weren't like great but i think this is where we really start seeing the trend of princesses having the i want song the big (laughs) important yeah the big solo solo song for the princess and we get it in Beauty and the Beast, where she, I want adventure and um, provincial, like, uh, there must be more than this provincial life. Mm -hmm. We get that one. Here, I'm going back to my spreadsheet. In Pocahontas, there's Just Around the Riverbend i mean there's all mm, there's, jasmine has one too doesn't she jasmine is one of the only princesses that does not have jasmine? a declarative song well because she's not oh. interestingly i think and the reason is because aladdin is a titular character he, <laughs> yeah aladdin has his song he has the i want song yeah 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 <laughs> that's <was> his intro <laughs> which it's true that's such a good song <laughs> we're never gonna get through this movie um uh, prepare yourselves, folks. This might be a two-parter. <laughs> it is. Guys, I have a question about this. So we get to this concert. The little seahorse yeah. comes out and does the intro. He's like, here's the king and here's the composer. And Sebastian goes right to the stand and tap 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 taps. Did no one do a backstage check? Curtain call? Hello? Where is everybody?
1: Ariel? Ariel. This was not this was not planned well. I do no, want to one a little tiny little, concert. One tiny Sorry. little cute fact. Um that opening fanfare uh for Sebastian where you hear like a kazoo. Oh, that's oh, Alan Menken oh, himself.
0: Is <laughs> it really Yeah. I love that there are so many silly things that I could see happening in this. There there are. Um but yeah,
1: right? I have
0: that too. Like you guys did you have dress rehearsals? <laughs> How did this go down? Yeah, because they so okay, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but we find out we find out in the musical number that Ariel's sisters sing think they think they is Ariel's sisters sing that Sebastian wrote a song for her. Yeah. So I'm assuming there's been Oh, and Sebastian even says Okay, so Triton's like, I'm so excited to see Ariel sing. And Sebastian is like, Yeah, she's got a great voice. Wouldn't it be nice if she showed the hell up to rehearsal sometimes? He says that to himself, obviously. So there have been rehearsals.
1: That's a, because this is her her de- debut.
0: Yes, um, I also have a couple other questions. Did each sister before get their own musical debuts? We're only here to see Ariel's, obviously.
1: I that's uh, what I would like to know too. I would also like to understand the age of all of these sisters because, you know, it's a Disney animation, so they all kind of look the same true. age. So
0: is it there like is every prequel. month
1: <laughs> there's a new new girl singing?
0: I'm gonna guess that just based on Disney that they're probably following a human timeline, so I'm guessing they're probably about a year or so apart. This is very Duggar family. Yeah, I was gonna say, how many sisters are there? There are are seven total. One for each of the seven seas. Because Ariel's mom Ariel's mom, no joke, got killed by a boat when they were young. That's what happened to her. That's why King Triton's very no humans, because she got killed by a boat.
1: I know this isn't the time... Okay, sorry. This is going to be a really bad joke, because this isn't the time of speedboats, but was her mom a
0: manatee? No, but I think it was the propeller. The
1: propeller. She might have been a manatee. <laughs>
0: but that's the thing. Is like, so there are seven sisters, one for each of the... One for each yes. of the seven seas. Um, oh and I know this because the joke that someone makes online is, does that make Ariel's mom the Dead Sea? Oh, ba um Yes. But, um, yeah. Oh, I also, the prequel, prequel for this is we, we, the first character that we actually meet main character is Eric. Oh,
1: can I, can I just say one thing? Yes. I have only seen the little mermaid. I have seen
0: absolutely zero little mermaid related movies. I've seen one of the, um, ones pre prequel sequels. (laughs) I saw, Oh, I saw the sequel. I did not see the prequel. Okay.
1: Okay. Um, okay as the sisters if they are truly a seven year gap between can you imagine being the yeah. being the sister that is seven years older than ariel and just being totally done with her bullshit
0: yeah because that would make her 23 years old yeah she doesn't even want to be here she took time off of her busy work day well she's probably crown princess she's probably
1: like don't we have stuff to do yeah <laughs> she's like
0: i have 500 crabs waiting for me yes yes but um, I want to bring up the the only reason I want to come back to the uh, the first intro is because this is where I get the um idea, because I, I think Eric's probably supposed to be eighteen or so. He's supposed to be like eighteen or nineteen years old. I was going to ask how old he is, because that's the one thing right like. Few years older. But I think that well, actually, if I click on his wiki, will it tell me how old he is? No. Well, I found out that his uh, he's eighteen years old. So okay. he just turned 18, and that's why I, and that's also partially why everyone's freaking out about him needing to get married. Yeah, because 18-year-olds. Well, because well, the reason that I am not surprised by him being able to hold his breath for so long is because we also see that his palace is right on the shore. So I get the impression that this boy has been sailing and swimming his whole goddamn life. So none of this surprises me, because there's a storm coming, and he's got his head over the railing like a dog in a car. Like, ooh, smell that air! Oh yeah, this man is having a great time.
1: This man has salt going through his his veins.
0: But I would also I would like to call attention to Grimsby, who is voiced by Ben Wright. Ben Wright um, also played Roger in 101 Dalmatians and Rama in the Jungle Book. But um, unfortunately, this was his last role, and he died four months before the movie came out.
1: Oh, which is sad.
0: It is really fortunate because I love his performance in this as this guy who's just like. Why am I in charge of this eighteen year old?
1: <laughs> yeah, always the um the the reluctant uh, houseman.
0: Yeah, guess. he's like uh, the butler,
1: reluctant uh, butler.
0: Yes. yes. Oh, this is also no. This isn't where we see it. Never mind. I'm getting ahead of myself. Anyway, back to yeah. Because technically,
1: we're still in the concert. We don't even know yeah. that there's humans. I mean, we well, do know there's humans because we saw them.
0: Yes, I'm and because a sailor was yelling at Grimm about how King Triton really does exist, and then he slaps him in the face with a fish a few times.
1: Yeah, oh, they also said a line there that I liked, which was talking about how this is nautical nonsense.
0: Yes, Eric, enough of this nautical nonsense. It sounds yes. like a
1: SpongeBob quote. That is a that is a very nice SpongeBob quote. We might be above <laughs> Bikini Bottom. We don't know this.
0: We don't. I, w- I have written down here, like, where are they somewhere later on? But as of now, they're in this concert where... This is where we're getting introduced to um, Ariel's sisters. This is where we find out that six of them have gotten the um, the memo that they are supposed to be at the show. <laughs> the rest clearly have no idea. Clearly. Uh, let's see. It's Athena, Alana, Adela, Aquata, Arista, and Andrina. Now, six of them, and then there's Ariel, six of them, Somehow managed to figure out when to be there. And get full costumes, which are spectacular. Including one who is just wearing what I think is a manta ray on her head. Yeah, they're spectacular. (laughs) I love their costumes.
1: One of them is like a clownfish. Yeah, (laughs) it's great.
0: But they're singing about how excited they are to show off Ariel to the crowd. And then this beautiful shell opens and there's nothing And what I love is that we get a close-up of Triton, and he's mad, but he's not as mad as I would be if someone disappointed me for the first time. He's mad in the way that I am when someone has let me down for the ninth. When I'm like, I am used to this, I was hoping you wouldn't do this, but you did, and I'm still mad, but I'm not as mad as I should be because I'm used to it.
1: Yeah, that's called the being mad as a parent. I'm not angry, I'm
0: disappointed. Yeah, but this is a concert in front of the whole, like, so first of all, we find out that Sebastian is the royal composer. So like, this is a big deal for him. Um, this is a concert for the king, I'm assuming. Uh, and she just like
1: is just there. fucked off.
0: And not only that, but instead of being like mad that she humiliated him, he's just like she's not here. And it's like <laughs> I feel like you'd be angrier, and you might want to go look for her. <laughs> I'd go looking for her. I wouldn't wait for her to come find me. I'd be going to find her.
1: Yeah, I'm also like, uh, okay. So uh, from from a from a theater standpoint, you brought this up before. Mm-hmm. Um, why didn't anybody make sure that all of the actors were there before they went on? What is Sebastian doing? If he's I supposed to be know. the director, he's supposed to be the one backstage or the yes. composer, or whatever, being like, "Hello, places people, places people." But nobody nobody goes to to collect Ariel. They're just like, "Oh shit, I guess let's just go on." And hope that she shows up. <laughs> it's not a very good they, they it's don't not. Have a very good theater company, I think is what we're saying here.
0: Agree. And um we find out that Ariel's just a little too busy because she is looking in an abandoned ship with her fish friend Flounder, who has got the millennial humor down already. Yes i did not realize that flounder was not annoying until i was in an adulthood i thought he was a whiner when i was young and now i'm like no he's just me he's like yeah sure fine totally dark uh, he, what did he say he goes it looks damp in there you're underwater yeah you're in underwater sir
1: oh okay i wanted to bring up this little tidbit because this okay is, this is something that um i don't think we knew about well i uh-huh. didn't know about uh apparently um Sebastian the Crab started out as a minor character named Clarence, who was an English butler.
0: I feel like I knew this from reading the wiki a long time ago. And I got to say, good, ch- good change, good change, good,
1: good change. They, uh, they that really made a difference with this movie.
0: It absolutely did. Um, but Ariel is like, yeah. I'm going to go into the ship and they find a fork and a pipe. Which, to be fair, that is exactly the kind of debris that I would expect to be left in a sunken ship. I like worthless, shit. <laughs> worthless, worthless shit. Yeah, yeah. But before they can leave, there's a shark attack. There is such a shark attack.
1: This shark has several years to go before he decides that friend that fish are friends, not food. He does. He
0: also has a <laughs> great doodle. He also has a long time to go before like oh actually he has a really short time to go before his digestive system disagrees with him because he just eats the floor of the ship yeah he like in trying to get to ariel he's like well these floorboards seem to be my way so instead of rising up three inches to go above them i'm just gonna hop, hop 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 my way through the boards
1: so this is i always have this question with disney movies anytime there are talking animals which is every fucking disney movie what decides which animal is intelligent enough to talk and what decides which animal is not intelligent enough? Because this shark seemed to be a very dumb real life shark.
0: Yeah, but everybody else, as you're pointing out in here, can talk. Everyone else exactly. is sentient. Yeah. Yeah. No, this shark is just a big ship eating, fish hunting machine. But somehow are other aerials able to get away just by logically deciding, oh, let's go upwards. Sharks can't breathe in thinner water. <laughs> Sharks can't look up. Sharks. <laughs> that's what it is. Sharks can't look like up. Like pigs, they, they can't them. look up. Yeah, and this is what it feels like. Because for a while they were trying to escape by just like getting away by, you know, like quote unquote running forward, swimming forward. But it, all of a sudden, an exciting action scene, yeah, frankly but then all going of a sudden, through the shipwreck. Yeah. The escape is just them going up. <laughs> oh no, I forgot. They get him trapped in a porthole.
1: Yes, that's it. That shark is going to die.
0: That shark is dead
1: shark is dead they have just killed a shark that might have been around for a thousand years maybe that's why he's so dumb he has prehistoric dinosaur brain entirely possible but uh um, but they
0: don't I have time to think about that
1: they don't have time to think about that because it is time to scuttlebutt with scuttle
0: god so i didn't watch the live action film but apparently there was a song sung by aquafina called scuttlebutt and i think i could do without ever hearing that like, I never want to be that person that's like, you shouldn't sing because I I, I truly think that no matter who you are, if you want to create or you should create already, even if it's shitty. If you're not a great singer, sing because it makes you happy. Aquafina should not sing because it makes her happy. But well, um
1: I have I, okay. I genuinely have nothing to say to that because I haven't seen it.
0: Neither have I. But let's just go back to um Scuttle, who I've written down is an improv troop leader.
1: so, so Scuttle, I think I think if they had um they they got Buddy Hackett, who is oh, a legend, 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 a com- com- comedian, which makes total sense. I also feel though, if this Little Mermaid had been made just like one or two years later, this is probably what they would have gotten. Um, uh, oh my gosh, why did his Robin Williams for? Oh,
0: because scuttle tried to get like him that. for this, part and it just didn't work.
1: I actually feel like they went for Buddy Hackett first because You're Buddy actually Hackett probably is such a legend. Right. Yeah, but I, I could see this also being a Robin Williams role because it's the same type of uh, constant improv, like you were saying.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which I, I, it isn't. I Ooh, mean, they. Scrimmed,
0: but. They. It says here that they were also considering Bill Maher and Michael Richards for uh, Scuttle. Bill Maher. Hmm. And
1: Michael Richards. I am. I am sorry. I am. I am surprised because my. That's of, what it says! Michael Richards uh, from Seinfeld and
0: Bill Maher from... Um, oh jeez, I just closed this page. The HBO show. Yeah, the, I was like, the HBO um, real time with Bill Maher, yeah. politically incorrect. Yeah, those I are am... who they were co- um, contemplating for it. The act- It looks right. like the most people that they were... Um, not contending for but like it looks like the role that they had the most people considered for was actually that for Ursula which we who we haven't met yet and who is amazing oh yeah I can't wait to talk about her
1: I'm just I'm sorry I'm really really stuck on the fact that we could have had a Little Mermaid where Scuttle was played by Kramer from Seinfeld
0: it's true but I do have to say I like the way it turns out but I will also 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 say that um Elaine Stritch was also considered for Ursula as was Jennifer Saunders who later went on to perform what I consider to be the best cover of all time I Need a Hero in Shrek 2.
1: I love Jennifer Saunders because she is half of a British female comedy duo French and Saunders. Don French is the other one who's also I think Don French has also shown up in a Disney movie or two but okay Jennifer Saunders I could definitely see I could also see Elaine Stritch as they also Ursula, were. Yeah.
0: um They also were considering. That was
1: almost the the Nickelodeon. It was, and that's
0: why I changed it. um <laughs> B. Arthur. Oh my God! Uh huh. Nancy I, Marchand.
1: I'm sorry, but B. Arthur would have made this even gayer because right? Ursula, as oh, many uh, people probably know, is based on um Roseanne Divine. Roseanne. Okay, at the time, I think Roseanne would have been good. Nowadays, mm-hmm. now that we know, no, now that no. we know about Roseanne, not a fan.
0: Well, Pat Carroll wasn't the first choice, but I actually do happen to think she was the right choice. The script was actually written for B. Arthur.
1: I think Pat Carroll was a good choice. I could see B. Arthur in this role, and that would have been amazing. And, um, and there are some others that I could have seen in this role. It would have been amazing that you listened yeah. to.
0: Anyway, um, back to Scott. <laughs> Who is this? Is where we get one of the most iconic scenes in the movie. And this is where we find out that Scuttle, as I said, is an improv troop leader. Because he takes the fork and is like, you know what this is, Ariel? This this right here, this is a hair maker. It's a dinglehopper, and here you go.
1: It it makes your hair look big. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. You look like Linda Evangelista. You do. I, I uh I agree. This was a lot of yes and this was a lot mm-hmm. of here, here's my trash. What is it? Oh, I, that's a Dingle Harper. Or i i really loved um scuttle's the interaction with the
0: snarf blaster yes where he just first of all cliff gave me a replica snarf black for christmas Ooh. Um, right. and secondly Ooh. i love that he just blows on it and shit comes out
1: Well, it's full of sand which makes sense yeah it's but- full
0: of water and everything that you don't need in a pipe
1: But I love, I love this idea of this is how a a dumb bird thinks that us humans use these tools. And like the snarf blaster was developed because people just sat around staring at each other and had nothing to do. So they might as well smoke.
0: Snarf blat. But also it is very, as he said, it was very boring. Yeah. But this is where um, Ariel realizes she's fucked up because Scuttle originally says that they're used to play music. And she's like, (gasps) music yeah i was supposed to do something related to music today girl girl and this and then they run on home run on home for a dressing down this is also
1: this i didn't realize how how quickly this scene appeared but um yeah this all
0: happens before 15 minutes pass in this movie
1: well well specifically when ariel is talking with scuttle there is a frame where she's going music and she makes this face and that face was freeze-framed as a meme yes it's for the years glasses hipster meme. ariel
0: yes there is yes that's yeah. the scene from hip that's where hipster ariel comes from because <laughs> she's holding up her hands in distress and somebody put glasses on her
1: there's some amazing animation uh when it comes to ariel's face she's extraordinarily extraordinarily
0: expressive in this exactly film. She's also very expressive when she's making her argument to her father, because he's telling her he's really disappointed at her for Mm -hmm. embarrassing everyone. And she's like, I'm not a kid. I'm 16. Which I have to say, as an adult,
1: exactly. You should know better.
0: (laughs) You know what time commitments are. Exactly. It's like two things. You are still technically a child, but also, yeah, you are 16. You're not six if i can try it's like if you want me to trust you to go off adventuring i need to trust that you're gonna come back for your obligations young lady yeah presumably you agreed to this you would think so especially because sebastian wrote a whole ass song for her and everything i don't think they would have done that if she never came to rehearsal ever ever ever
1: yeah and like presumably she- we get the impression that she's a good daughter mostly she just has a little rebellious lost. Yeah. yeah. She has wonderlust. Yeah. Because Triton is never like, "Oh, this is, you know, how how dare you? You have so many problems. You've been doing so many sea drugs. You've been you've been, you know, sniffing slugs. Not great. Uh, you've been messing with the fish, moving the mm-hmm. coral around, really big, you know. Like it wasn't like this is the last straw. It's like, "Okay, you do these things. I'm kind of upset that you
0: but right, all- you're airheaded and you don't remember to come back." Yeah. You're not a bad kid. No. Um and because of that he decides Sebastian you're going to tail her.
1: Yeah. You're not a bad kid but I'm going to put my tracker on you. I'm going to put
0: tracker. the royal composer on you because that's what he's good for.
1: Which is which is such an insult to Sebastian. Sebastian sitting there going, I went to the Juilliard of the undersea school and now I have to tail that.
0: Yeah. When he right before he's about to take off after them he's like I should be writing symphonies. Yeah. And um <laughs>
1: there's there's also a moment in here where Triton talks about how humans are barbarians and, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: I agree. <laughs> uh-huh. Because she's basically trying to explain that she thinks that, you know, the surface world's interesting, it's not that dangerous, nothing happened, and he's like, no, anything to do with humans is bad, you're gonna get hurt. But he also says, do you think I want to see my youngest daughter snared by some fish eater's hook, and I want to know what about his other kids? Does he want to see his oldest daughter?
1: I'm wondering that too like (laughs) are all the other kids I mean okay let's be real here none of the other kids got a movie made after them so Ariel is
0: the chosen daughter she's a golden child
1: (laughs) everyone else has a boring life everyone else settled down with some merman maybe there was a little bit of conflict because one of them settled down with a mer lady
0: she's also the one that looks just like their mom I've seen, like, a photo from the prequel. She looks just like their mother.
1: That's convenient.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's
1: convenient. Wait a minute. Does that mean that all of the other girls have different
0: mothers? No, they're all supposed to be blood sisters. That's convenient. Very. Um... I also forgot a little note earlier because remember we brought up a while ago Pepper Ann. I have another Pepper Ann connection from we this one. have another sun.
1: Pepper Ann reference. Yes, the is voice, the
0: voice of Flotsam and Jetsam was a character in Pepper Ann.
1: Who was she in Pepper Ann?
0: Vera Gruber Schwartz. I don't know who that is.
1: I like how I asked that question. Like I would have any idea. What that you is. might. I
0: but yeah, there was might. a. There was there was a quick cutaway where um, we saw uh, Ursula watching Ariel swim back home in like a magic orb, and she sticks her eels on them. So Ariel's got a lot of trackers. She's got two eels and a crab (laughs) falling around.
1: I I also love (laughs) I love the evil eels that we get. Yes, and Um, I've always enjoyed uh, Flotsam and Jetsam. Uh, Flotsam and Jetsam always have. They have one eye yes. that is connected to Ursula. And then sometimes they'll be able to kind of put those eyes together to give Ursula a better that, view. Yeah,
0: like magic orby thing that she like, can see.
1: Yeah, like a magic orb. Which makes me wonder like if they're separated. So she gets panorama.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, it's too much of a mind fuck to look around. I'd be curious, but um I find it interesting that now that Ariel's being tailed is when she, she brings us to her secret cove full of human treasure i don't think anybody's following me (laughs) Best to go to my secret hideout (laughs) it's true though yeah um and i wrote in my notes here that and i brought this up earlier too 15 minutes is in is when we get in my opinion the best song and i'm a little surprised because i was reading excuse me um it was around the casting where did it go i hate these things okay here we go um the it says here one of the film's most prominent songs part of your world was nearly cut from the film when it seemingly tested poorly with children
1: that is fascinating because i agree with you this is one of the best songs from my opinion opinion as well and probably the song that i like remember relating to the
0: most um the follow up for that one here is that Katzenberger felt it needed to be cut, but Musker, Clements and Keane were like, "No, do you remember what happened with Over the Rainbow because that was almost cut from Wizard of Oz cuz kids were getting rowdy, but um they were like hold on to the film and during a second test screening once they had actually fully colorized and developed it, it tested mm. really well with kids."
1: This is you know <clears throat> I'm not a fan of Jeffrey Katzenberg. And I think Fair it's enough. really interesting when we get these little tidbits of of the changes that he just chooses to do or says, I need to do this. And a
0: lot of times they're wrong. agree. Because as you said, I found this one the most relatable, especially as I was getting older. It's like, I want more. I want an adventure. I'm tired of being a little kid in a house. I want to go find things. I want to go do things.
1: Yeah. And in my case, like it It just like was a flash of nostalgia and emotions Mm -hmm. where um, it was like I could remember uh, spending all of my time as a kid because I was I'm an only child. I spent a lot of time as a kid alone. So -hmm. I spent a lot of time in my imagination, singing, Mm -hmm. dancing, playing with dolls and kind of creating my own little soap operas and stories, Mm -hmm. Um, including Ariel, which now that I think about it, I think I
0: had an Ariel Barbie. I think I had an Ariel doll of some kind.
1: Yeah, so I definitely would have, like, reenacted The Little Mermaid with her, if that was the case. Um, And absolutely because of this song.
0: (laughs) I know, I love this song. That's
1: the linchpin here. Mm -hmm. Do you love it enough to sing it, is the question.
0: Yeah, sure. Oh, and I was talking to Gallie earlier. One thing that we've done is downloaded Smule for the show. So I'm actually going to start doing either longer clips or like full length versions of the songs that we picked just because I only do like 10, 15 seconds here on the show. But yeah, I want to do from the chorus this time because that's what we all remember, right? I want to be where the people are. I want to see, want to see them dancing, walking around on those, what do you call them? <sighs> Feet. heart of that world yeah it is just such an iconic song
1: it's such an iconic song and it's such a good it's such a good solo
0: it is a really good solo i am and we, and we hear it five more times <laughs> we do also sorry i'm having a kind of like not hiccups but moments but it's just a really good song
1: it is and then sebastian ruins it by I mean,
0: sneezing backwards into a vase
1: yeah by sneezing backwards <laughs> into like a vase or um oh what is the word a stein a drinking stein i think because it yeah, it, yeah it, on is a shine. it
0: is yep it does
1: yeah <laughs> i'm like come on sebastian be cool you could have been cool and you weren't cool man
0: no he was uh allergic to water and just flew backwards
1: everybody here is allergic to water and they live in it
0: it's a very interesting thing but um I technically we're allergic to air. We were You were just complaining about your allergies. That's true. But Sebastian is kind of like, he is overwhelmed. He's like, I can't with this. I can't. Come on. We, we just need to get out of all this human crap. Let's just go home, get you something to drink. And then a shadow passes overhead.
1: Over her grotto, with a shadow of a ship. Mm-hmm. And of course she has to be like, yeah, 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 Sebastian, whatever you're saying is cool and all, but what's that? Yep, and she once again swims up. I'm now wondering, is this also what happened to her mom? Her mom was just like, yeah, whatever, you guys are cool and all, but that's a ship.
0: It's entirely possible. It seems the implication is that Ariel inherited her mother's human interest. (gasps) Or that her mom didn't think that um, humans were as dangerous as we thought. I'm, I'm sure that there's no
1: reason for this plot to exist, but think no, of an alternative plot where uh, Ariel's mom um, actually had an affair with a human. It's Ariel hilarious. As a half-sister.
0: Uh, Too fun for Disney, but... Too fun. But what's not too fun for Disney is fireworks, because we find out it is today Eric's 18th birthday.
1: They're just shooting fireworks off the side of the ship in the middle of
0: sea. So... I have a couple of questions just, and I've been trying to answer them over the course of the movie. Mm-hmm. The implication I'm getting is that the shipwreck that happens very soon, do they just ground on the rocks outside the palace? Are they that close to home?
1: Right, it seems like the, the ship was not even an hour away from no, but, the land.
0: <laughs> but it's at really the time weird. that we see this firework celebration happening and when Ariel pops her head out they seem like they are in the middle of the ocean
1: yeah I thought that they were at least another several days from getting back to land hence why they're having this out in the middle of the ocean but you're right the shipwreck that that soon happens kind of is just like oh let me bring you back to land happy birthday Eric I'm taking you home yeah
0: so to be to be somewhat fair a storm can move a ship a lot so it's like, yeah. you could cover a lot of distance with a ship, but still like, wow. But any... I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay.
1: They, but you mm. have a good point. Because also, um, if the ship were out in the middle of the ocean, mm-hmm. it would bring some people potentially back to land. And it would bring other people out further into the ocean. Like, it's not like everybody would be like, hang on, everyone. We're
0: all going back no. to land together. But there is... Okay, so before we get right there, um, <laughs> okay. it's a birthday for Eric, and Grimm, he gives Eric what he wanted to be a wedding present, but is instead a birthday present. It is, and I have to say, Eric's reaction is correct. It is a massive, what I'm going to go ahead and guess, like, let's just pretend that Eric is tall. Let's pretend that Eric is, like, six feet tall. That means Grimsby is about six foot five. This statue has got to be ten feet tall, then.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a huge. It's a statue of Eric looking like a noble knight like with sword and and Yeah, everything. he's got
0: his hand his fist on his heart and he's holding a sword that I think is also as big as his leg.
1: And this is this was so stupid to me because like you said Grimsby set, gave this to him as a hopeful wedding gift to also like encourage him to get married which she, me reads as We want you to get married, Prince Eric, so we hope the statue of you as a noble knight inspires you to find a woman.
0: And I gotta say, his reaction is right when he's kind of like, uh, gee, uh, wow. Yeah, (laughs) even Eric is like, I don't like myself this much. Everyone is making a face and he's just like, uh. And here's where I start to like Eric a lot because he has a personality. We've learned in two scenes from him that he's a little bit more than just a dude. He likes the ocean. He thinks that Gift is insane, loves his dog, pretty you adventurous. Know, c- compared to Prince Charming. Th- and that's where I was going.
1: <laughs> he has he has a personality. And it's impressive because the personality disappears for a portion of the film later on when he gets when he gets um entranced. Vanessed. Yeah, when he gets Vanessa, you can Um, tell. So it's funny that it then comes back, but because you're right, he does have a personality,
0: which is a a big note. It's true. He's he's a playful young. You get an impression, Raymond, that he's just like a a cool young guy, and he's telling Grim, and this is when everything goes to shit. He's like, Grim, you can't just force these things. When I, what does he say? He's like, I'll know the right girl when I find her. It'll, it'll bam hit me. Yeah, like lightning, and then. Kaboom.
1: can i also okay can i also say eric is traveling with the most pure and wholesome group of seamen that ever they're existed all in uniforms and playing accordions and shit and they're so like happy and cheerful and like yeah I. they all seem to like him scene. yeah which is high this is how we know this is a fantasy movie
0: yeah like they all like <laughs> genuinely like it and we see this during the storm <laughs> yes they actually like him
1: they actually like him there's no if this were if this were uh, frankly if we were probably looking at the um is it hans hans christian anderson is the yeah original? the original yeah this group of sailors would be absolutely terrible if a mermaid happened upon they'd eat her. their ship they would they would eat her they would rape her i was gonna say they
0: would fuck her they would they would tie apart. her to the front of their ship
1: yeah but nope We're in a happy Disney world. So everybody's cheerful and loving. And that's until the
0: hurricane comes in.
1: Yeah. And then an instant hurricane. That's another. That's also what I wrote
0: down. Where is the storm? Where did the storm come from? Like, Because, okay, here's another thing. Eric, based on all these implications, capable seamen, All of them are. All of them. Did none of them scout? Like, why would you drop anchor anywhere remotely near a storm? You have to get clear of that ship
1: this is when we learned that they like to live dangerously so (laughs) what happened was everybody was on shore they were like i think there's a hurricane about to happen prince eric is this gonna ruin your birthday and eric's like no 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 guys this is my birthday yeah we're going out there we're gonna have a hurricane birthday you tell none of your wives
0: but the thing is though that can't be true because the minute the guy says hurricane they all freak out well
1: yeah uh, yes well realistically none of the things that i'm saying are true that's true
0: But I do also give a couple of credits to things. Prince Eric immediately runs alongside his crew. They are all, he helps. He is grabbing ropes. They are grabbing sails. And when here's, and here's the other reason that I'm pretty sure that he knows what he's doing, because there's a point where the captain gets thrown from the, from the helm, Mm -hmm. which I am not surprised about. That ship was vibrating like fuck. And Eric manages to get over there and get a hold of it again. He manages to write the ship from listing, which is impressive. I wouldn't be able to do that. And then he grounds them on the rocks, knowing they've lost control of the ship because that's close to shore.
1: Yeah, Eric is, I mean, okay, in this this fantasy world and in this time period, it does make sense that an 18-year-old would actually understand Mm -hmm. how to control a ship. But it's (laughs) impressive that a prince.
0: Yes, that's the (laughs) impressive part.
1: Yeah, would have all of this knowledge and actually be able to help.
0: And not just have the knowledge, but be physically capable of doing it, because that's also just like a physically hard job.
1: So, so something that we haven't totally mentioned is, Mm -hmm. um, while all of this is going on, uh, Ariel has Mm. managed to jump out of the water enough that she's like hanging on. She climbed up the, the,
0: um, yep, she climbed up the. uh, I don't remember the actual title for that, but there's a name for those um, for the ladders on the sides of ships. But she managed to get, when before the storm hit, when they were still dancing and partying, she managed to get up to those and is hanging we out watching. Yeah, yeah, she's creepy. But she's when creeping. the storm hits, she is hanging on. And at one point, you notice it's bad because she and Scuttle and everyone that's aquatic gets blown from the ship. Scuttle gets sucked up into the fucking void. Scuttle, Scuttle I would argue, is not aquatic.
1: <laughs> that's true.
0: I mean, like she, the sea creatures that are familiar with the elements
1: yeah. Scuttle um also should have been much more smart and and as a bot would have known that there was a hurricane coming. Like, Ariel he would too. Have known.
0: Ariel should have just dove far back under the water. Well, no.
1: okay. Ariel I can excuse a little bit because she's horny. There. Like she sees her crush and she's like, I just wanna I just wanna absorb their essence while I'm while I'm here and hope they don't notice me.
0: I have to say though. She gets thrown off slightly before the ship gets struck by lightning and catches fire. Cause she is yeah. watching from a, a sort of distance at this point, because up until this point, they have been rescuing themselves. There's mm-hmm. a lifeboat. They're all loading in. Eric's in the lifeboat. He gets grim on board. And this is when Eric officially becomes me because he notices that Max's dog is still on the ship. And he goes Wait, back. Is, is
1: it Max's dog or is the dog named Max, Max is the
0: dog. Oh, Max. Okay. Yeah. max the dog yeah he notices that max is still on board the burning ship and he goes back and i'm like that's me
1: <laughs> yeah this is i think it's very sweet that they have a dog on their ship but mm-hmm. they could have had a cat and that would have made a little bit more
0: sense it could have and would have but dogs were not uncommon on board ships that's fair Mm-hmm. animals fair. in general yeah but um Eric goes back to rescue Max and is trying to carry him off the ship, but one of the planks, which understandably is now compromised, breaks and he gets stuck. He throws Max under overboard and I do like that they include showing Grim pulling the dog out of the water. Like They show everyone working together in this thing and there is a moment the ship explodes and then you go down to the lifeboat and every single one of them including the crew is in horror because they think eric's dead that's what i mean like they all like him they're all like i
1: i okay i do think that part of it is they all like him but i think the other part of it is this is a ship exploded
0: it's too it's many things if if the prince is not found we're all dead also valid but yeah the ship explodes
1: do we we don't
0: yeah well it's because we see that they have fireworks and gunpowder on board because it's a ship in the 1800s yeah,
1: maybe this wasn't a great ship to take out in the middle of a hurricane, but, you know, live But it's hard. okay, because in
0: this particular case, you have a there's mermaid. a very pretty mermaid hanging out nearby. And <laughs> yes. she has spotted herself a very pretty prince.
1: She has spotted herself a very pretty prince, and she's saying at this prince, and she's like, I'm gonna rescue this
0: boy. Yeah, she went and got him, and, and brings him to shore.
1: Yeah. And then, isn't that where, <clears throat> as she's watching him um, from further away, um, hmm. He that's when up, we that's when we get her like singing at him.
0: Kind of, sort of. So at first, um, she's singing in his face. Yeah. And he wakes up, um, she jumps into the water. Um, Grim comes and collects him, and that's when we get the iconic rock scene because she does a reprise of Part of your World. So, I don't know where. Yeah. Yep, that's where that happens. And then the big thing where she Pushes herself up on her arms and the wave goes whoosh
1: that's it and that's like the big um yes I want to call it the big trailer slash poster scene it the is waves are behind her which is fabulous
0: it's it is very iconic
1: yeah and also the scene that we definitely see that this is what I remember from the live action trailers yeah <laughs> that's kind of all I remember um but yeah ariel ariel saves the prince so that's good and then she has to go back under the water
0: and that this is when we get under the sea
1: yeah so this is where we um so i think we got a little moment where we get to see uh ursula's garden because i made a note about how her garden always looks like snot monsters hmm maybe And then we get into under the sea because that's when uh, then I think we go back to Ariel and Sebastian um, going back to the palace and Sebastian being like, no, 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 no. no. You don't have to worry about anything that's above the water. That's Mm. not
0: cool. Well, he does under the sea. And then we um, immediately go to... Is it where she's playing? Oh, she's playing the "He loves me, he loves me not" game. Yeah, because she was on the.
1: They make (laughs) this is this is a set design that stands out in my mind because they made what looked like a doctor's chair out of rocks underwater that Ariel's just kind
0: of lounging on. Sort of, but then we also get to see their like really really cool vanity setup, the bathroom setup. Yeah. Oh, this is the scene I'm thinking of because she comes out singing um and all her sisters are like uh, uh <laughs> yeah cuz she's like I have a crush on somebody and then she yep and then she's you know sees her dad gives him a hug gives him a flower and swims away and he's like what is happening and one <laughs> of the older sisters is like isn't it obvious dad ariel she goes, isn't it obvious daddy ariel is in love
1: yeah so, so this you, is you what, don't
0: know dad well this is what I wrote in here, because it's coming up pretty soon, that the cove scene, the destruction of the cove is extremely sobering. And that's coming up because here is when, so Triton just thinks Ariel's got a crush. And he calls Sebastian in to be like, who is it? Tell me. He wants the tea, basically. But Sebastian thinks he knows that it's Eric the human.
1: Yeah, it's the classic misunderstanding trope where two mm-hmm. people uh, are talking about two different subjects but having one conversation.
0: Yeah, because, you know, what basically happens is Triton's trying to get the info out of Sebastian. And again, And he still thinks it's just a normal crush. He was like, who is it? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Mm-hmm. And Sebastian cracks under the pressure and it's like, I told her to stay away from humans and they're dangerous and they're terrible.
1: But that's, that's after Under the Sea, right? yes yeah because i i think I, I do want to talk about under the sea for okay. just a minute there um because this was another uh i think this was another really fun song and
0: very popular
1: and very popular it's another song also that as soon as it started i was like i know these lyrics
0: <laughs> ariel the human world is a mess we all know that yeah. monologue right yeah, and it's super
1: cute and I love how they get the entire um the entire Max Rebo's undersea band <laughs> to all uh chime everyone, in.
0: Everyone everyone was available on short notice. Yeah. Unlike Ariel who can't show up for a final performance.
1: Yeah, they clearly rehearsed this song repeatedly. Like Sebastian had this one ready to go and he puts on this immense number with all of the sea creatures dancing choreography this, it's amazing it's absolutely spectacular ariel couldn't be arsed to no she fucked listen off to listen to it she does an irish goodbye as soon as um Flounder comes together Flounder goes over to get her and be like hey
0: hey i have guess a prize what? a surprise for you yeah like
1: that is such a fucking teenager thing to
0: do such a teenager thing oh and this is how we end up with everything happening because Sebastian is like, oh God, what am I going to tell the king about everything? Because oh. he's like, I need to go report to the king. That's how they end up having their conversation, and then and and King Triton says,
1: "I consider myself a reasonable murder." No, we're not
0: there yet. oh We're not at that one yet. Oh no, 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 no! This is when he actually gets to the cove. Okay. Um, but I now like Sebastian line. has me too. Sebastian has accidentally spilled the beans that it's a human. Mm-hmm. Cut to Ariel and Flounder in the cove, and Flounder has brought her presents how the hell did i wrote it down in here how did flounder get that statue in there because he has brought her the full statue of prince eric which we ascertain first of all used to be about nine feet tall and is now about five it is shrunk still big. which is still huge and also this fish seemingly independently well Flounder. oh actually remember that ariel swam straight up
1: Oh, you think it just fell straight down what and it if just it kind of out?
0: <laughs> I do think,
1: I was thinking that that's a possibility. Another <laughs> possibility that I'd like to think is uh, Flounder went back to that shark that they trapped earlier and was like, listen, dude, I'll get you out. But. But you got to help me out with this. And you got to help me carry me, something. Yeah. And if you eat me, just you know, King Triton is going to
0: destroy you. Well, he'll know. Yeah. He'll know immediately.
1: But I do like the idea that it just kind of lucked out, and Flounder's like, "Oh, perfect! I get all the reward and do
0: nothing." Yeah, because he brings Ariel in, and I kind of, I do love that Ariel is such a teenage girl because he sees this, she sees a statue and immediately just starts giggling and hugging it. Oh my! It's it's actually it's very cute actually because it's such teenage yeah. behavior. It's
1: it's a poster on her wall of yeah. her '90s crush. That's what yes, it is. she got her teen her...
0: heartthrob. Yep, she got her um Tiger Beat. Yeah. And this is what she got, but this is where Wait, I'm sorry. Could
1: you imagine? Um, could you imagine getting those magazines like Tiger Beat and Boy Crush or whatever the hell they were called? And a five foot statue fucking... falling out. And a five foot statue is what you get instead of the poster of Corey Feldman. You get <laughs> you get a statue of Corey Feldman.
0: Oh, thank you. <laughs> would, um, yeah. But yeah, this is where uh, Ariel notices the Tritons in the doorway, and this is where he says, "You're lying." I consider myself a reasonable merman.
1: I want any parents out there who are listening to this,
0: please work that line in the next time that you have to reprimand your child about something. Agree. But um, I do, I I mentioned this earlier too. I find this scene as an adult, very sobering. Yeah. Because so from Triton's point of view, he's, he's doing what, you know, this is a thing that a lot of parents do, which is like, You've been talking to this boy on your phone. I'm going to take your phone away. I mean, you've been on your Xbox too too much or your laptop. I'm going to destroy it. And that's what he does. He says, if, you know, if you won't voluntarily get away from this human nonsense, I'm going to destroy it. And he does. He uses his, you know, kingly merman magic and he violently destroys everything in that cove right in front of her. It's not just like he puts it in the trash. It's blown up. And he saves the statue for last and makes sure she's looking
1: yeah it's
0: really bad when you think about it
1: this is so so i made a note that this is the old parent overreaction yes where they destroy everything that's near and dear to the kid's heart because they think it's garbage
0: and not only that but it's like in his mind he's like i have tried everything i can and in his brain he's doing he's keeping her safe yeah because i can totally see where he's coming from because you know he's not wrong like she could get seriously fucking hurt And he's like, if you're not going to see the bad side of humans, then I have to take it away from you. And the only way I can is this. And I I do have to say, going back to facial animation, there is, you know, you see the moment where Ariel just drops sobbing onto a rock. But then you get a look at Triton and you can see the anger leaving his face. And for a second, in animation, you see guilt and regret. Mm Mm-hmm. That's incredible.
1: I I greatly appreciated this as as watching it as an adult because as a kid, yeah. I definitely related to the aerial side of it and going, mm-hmm. "Oh my god, what a horrible parent that he destroyed everything." And that's pretty much all I could see. Yeah. As an adult, however, I agree with you like it's really fascinating to watch um that facial expression change from I I have to do this to punish my
0: child mm-hmm. to I regret everything. I think I, I went too far. Right. Yeah. And like maybe in his brain, he's even thinking now, like I could have left her the statue or like she could have had the book. Yeah. But you know, in the moment, you know, and I think that this is really important. I thought about this too. And you know, I was thinking about the times like my parents never, I, I have to say this, they never destroyed my belongings ever. My parents respected me enough as a person where that that was not how they how, how they reacted to me. <laughs> but i I have had moments where they were like, we're gonna take away this privilege, or like you're not listening, and so we're gonna do what we, we we don't know what else to do with you. So we're just gonna crack down. And as we can see here, you know, it doesn't actually she hasn't learned the a lesson that no okay, she has learned a lesson, but it's not the lesson he wanted. He wanted her to learn that humanity is unsafe. Mm-hmm. But what she learned is I cannot trust my father.
1: And that that's the question that I wanted to ask you is, did you ever have an instance with your parents where maybe they didn't destroy your stuff, but do you feel like they overreacted so far yes. that they um yeah, so, so because of their overreaction, that actually caused the wrong message to get through to you?
0: Oh, sure. That's definitely happened. I think it's probably unfortunately happened to everybody where an overreaction caused I want to tell the story, but it's my brother's story. I just don't think he'll be mad at me for telling it. But like, okay, I'll. So my parents used to really overreact about marijuana (laughs) to the point where when my brother was caught with it as a teenager, this for years plagued our house. I don't mean like one year. I mean years where this was like a constant undercurrent of tension in the house. And I was involved because I was living at home going to school at the time. They would like sniff him, my brother, when he was coming home to see if he'd been Uh. smoking. Yeah. And they would come and talk to me about their worries about how he'd never be accepted in college or he'd never get a job and blah, blah, blah. And it was just this constant undercurrent of crazy tension and mistrust. And it's sort of like, well, you didn't actually facilitate what you wanted mm-hmm. at all, yeah. actually.
1: I had a lot of these instances as a kid mm-hmm. where my parents would um, try to teach me a lesson but went about it the wrong way and I could only focus on the punishment. Yeah, Um, I won't get into like a lot of examples because that's numerous and things that I don't fully remember. But one, one instance that I do remember that I think was close to kind of a little mermaid situation is um, I remember my parents getting very angry and uh, like destroying a mirror or something that had a lot of glass in it and they um they cleaned it up and put it in a bag but as a kid and I was very very young I was so upset by this there was something in that bag with all of the broken glass that I had to reach in and grab because they threw away like it was toys or something like this Mm -hmm. um and I ended up uh actually getting a scar I have a scar on my thumb still from this and this must have happened when I was like five or six years old like I was a kid Mm -hmm. kid So I, which is, you know, again, kind of around the age when I would have been watching The Little Mermaid. So I think that Mm -hmm. I also really related to that scene because I was like, I've had, I've had my parents literally destroy stuff that legitimately probably was trash, but still, but that's not how they,
0: no, and I I never had a moment like that, but I had a, a combination of moments that taught me certain lessons. Like I learned very early on that academics was king. Mm -hmm. even above and practicing violin even above like my my personal preferences even above my desire to do things and comforts like you you learn to internalize certain things and in my case I have now unfortunately gone full circle and I kind of am afraid of the violin Mm. like I don't want to play anymore like I I I have such a hang-up about dealing with my violin where it's like and if someone even hears me playing, it goes right back in its case because I'm just so hung up on the perfectionism of the whole thing. It's like, that's probably not the lesson you wanted to teach me was to fear yeah. an instrument, but that's what I took away from it. And it's like, I, I don't have kids and I never plan on having them. And I can see where being a parent's really, really difficult. But, yeah, you know, in this scene, I... I think that it's a really interesting scene because it should, and you know, and I know that some people are like, oh my God, it's so dramatic or whatever, but it's sort of like when you experience that kind of sadness or when everything, okay, I cried like that in the beginning of 2023 mm. or the end of 2022 when, when I got to Austin and I was unpacking everything, and I finally got to unpacking like my roller derby gear. And I was like, "I'm not gonna play with my team anymore. Like that experience is gone and it's over. And that was really hard. Yeah. Like this is as an adult, and no one did it to me. Like you know, it wasn't like someone came in and destroyed my skates. No one did that. But
1: it's it was a igno-
0: though. Yeah. It was, it's acknowledging that a chapter in your life and something that you had, whether it's physical or in her case, or whether it's in my case, it's a team. It's like, it's not here. I can't reach out and touch it anymore. It's gone.
1: Yeah. It's, it's something that you have worked hard for to develop or in her case, collect and having it, having it feel like all of your hard work is just ripped out from under you. Um does bring you down to an extraordinary low point where you don't know like how can you get how can you get above this and to to kind of bring this back to the little little mermaid yeah um, that's where she is right now she finally has gotten to the point where she is a poor unfortunate soul Uh who is low enough to go talk to ursula
0: well she needs a little convincing first from flotsam and jetsam a little bit and i have to say though they almost didn't get her because she was like, get out of my face. But...
1: But we have one... to have
0: plot. <laughs> but here's the thing that I find interesting is that when everything was totally destroyed, that statue conveniently broke off so that Eric's face <laughs> remained in... <laughs> right. Okay, and
1: I'm sorry, but... That...
0: <laughs> sorry, everyone. <laughs> the creepy can you it's so having his creepy it's really scary actually the first time i saw it i was like do you know those weird sun with suns with faces you can get at beach stores yes i do that looks like the sun with the face without the rays
1: you know what it also looks like from um again meme point from the office i don't know american office blah 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 but where when when Dwight Schrute is wearing the uh, uh, emergency mannequin's face on his face. Ew. It's just, it's just, what? It's just... Ew. Yeah, don't I don't do remember that. all everything that was happening, but they basically are trying to um, go through, like, uh, how to give somebody mouth-to-mouth resuscitation and all of that. And Dwight goes well, over like That's and, a really important oh. lesson. It is a very important lesson, but then he just wears the face. So- no, because so Crash my- Test Dummies weren't scary enough
0: already. Yeah,
1: yeah, but I can I can imagine Ariel just taking that face of Eric and just making out with it. Like that's such a teenager
0: thing to do. <laughs> it's true, but I also like how that's what finally she's like. Wait, wait. Okay, I'm coming. Yeah,
1: <laughs> look at okay. this face. Isn't it neat? I wish my collection were more. Was still complete. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: a girl who has nothing um i do there's two things i like about ariel's interactions with sebastian i do have to say i do appreciate that she's never actually mad at him she's just upset i'm not angry <laughs> All right i'm just, I'm just disappointed because this, this is a family trait yes this is a family trait that i'm seeing because sebastian is like no don't go with those two they're bringing you to the sea witch and she goes why don't you go tell my father you're good at that snap 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 right right right, and it was like ooh. and to be honest with you like normally i'm not a big fan of snitching and stuff like this everything could have totally been handled between sebastian and ariel this is the one situation where they should have definitely got triton yes you are like, no, 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 no. with the sea witch you must literally well, that but like ariel's still a minor ursula's an adult you need an adult okay
1: i just want to say one thing <laughs> Do you know the age of consent laws underwater? Under
0: no, I don't. That was not covered in Sebastian's song. It wasn't. But I I, um, I um, do also like that the first thing that Ursula says to Ariel is, besides come in, is, we mustn't lurk in doorways. It's rude.
1: I, okay, I love that line. Says the but... woman who,
0: I'm sorry. So the woman who's been spying on Ariel for days
1: right but i also love <laughs> like that line because like Ariel wasn't lurking in doorway she was just slowly making her way yeah through. she was
0: like i don't yeah because she just got grabbed by um a ghoul
1: a ghoul,
0: a ghoul. so of all course of, she's all like of
1: the, the snot monsters the souls so of course
0: she's like Ugh! for a hot second and that's so what ursula's like stop being rude she's like i'm not being rude i'm being freaked the fuck out of your sentient carpet yeah it's which is like a sentient shag carpet, because it's of the way awful. that they, oh, they so move. Rough. Well, because I think what they're trying to do is warn her in their ghoul speak, which is now just... Blah, blah, well, because, one, because because they don't... I noticed this um, just this time watching. I first thought that one of them bit her. No, they're grabbing her wrist and trying to pull her back.
1: Yeah, I I... i I remember that too that they all have first off these are the most pathetic looking snot goblins
0: they just look so sad
1: all of their eyes are so so sad i regret Um,
0: all the decisions that landed me here
1: i regret everything that put me in this spot Hmm. yeah you know some of these poor poor unfortunate souls just ended up there because like their sea frisbee ended up on
0: ursula's lawn entirely possible but the other thing i want to know is does nobody come in and go what are those
1: yeah, she has she keeps talking like she refers to them as her garden
0: but I'd still be like what are they though
1: yeah no one else.
0: we also find out that the criteria to owe Ursula your life is really low because in some like the first two examples that she brings so she sings by the way why was this song not nominated for more shit um or unfortunate souls
1: I think because, okay, so, so what were the two songs again that were nominated?
0: Was Under that- the Sea and Kiss the Girl.
1: Kiss the Girl. Okay, I, thinking about this, I think that it's because those two songs are more of a, um, entourage song where they have <laughs> a lot of, uh, fun musicality and musical instruments kind of popping in and out. So it's kind of like a fun hoppy, hoppy up upside song for I'm, under the sea and then this kiss song. the girl is still kind of like there's a lot I don't know I think I, this
0: song is really fun though oh I do too I like poor unfortunate souls quite a lot dude I especially I find the like not that the first part isn't memorable but as a kid I really like the part after their conversation where Ursula just like basically starts rapping <laughs> I love that part I'm gonna get to that in a second but we find out that some of the people that come to see Ursula, she's singing about who's come to see her, yeah, and what she does, and basically she's like, yeah, this girl wanted to lose weight, and this guy wanted to be more handsome, and they couldn't pay me, so now they're both ghouls and like cute. I know, and like
1: <laughs> as a selling point, no, <laughs> yeah, like um, and then. Oh, I'm sorry. I want to say one other thing about Please this. Please do, because I'm, I'm going to be on the
0: song for about 12 minutes.
1: And I'm probably going to reiterate this when we get to the <sighs> at the very end again, too. She talks about, and she shows that, that image of these two mermaid characters who have very being, different body types. Being turned into ghouls, by the way. Being turned into ghouls. At the very end of the movie, when the ghouls are all let go no uh-huh. more not goblins every
0: fucking mermaid is beautiful uh, you know uh, look uh, like uh, it? hang on it's because their bargain they wanted to be classically beautiful they she made them classically beautiful mermaids but it doesn't look like she reverted them back to their past selves it looked like she went straight from handsome mer people to ghouls so this is my confusion then
1: if ursula's magic breaks and that's how they all get free why didn't it also set them back to their original like like they get to keep the plastic surgery that's permanent that's amazing
0: well i guess that that was the permanent part of the spell
1: that's amazing (laughs) i would just like all of my other dealings with witches throughout the centuries (laughs) have have told me that any type of curse that they give uh give to you um reverts you back to your original state before
0: you made well, your be- deal with them i think it's because this was the payment they couldn't pay whatever ah. it was so instead of removing the services she's like well this is how you will pay me then you will become goals
1: honestly they look luck- they then they, got they a really super great lucked deal. out but also
0: how long have they been there how long have they been there
1: that's true we don't know the lifespan of us not because it could
0: be decades they could have been they could have been ursula's first spells we don't know
1: we see a merm we <laughs> <laughs> we see like um a caveman merman
0: out and he's like fuck
1: but <laughs> so, um what year is
0: it so it's robin williams movie, <laughs> i funny. love robin williams yeah but he they she sings about like i can help people um don't worry about it you just have to be able to pay me and first of all it seems like ariel's about to say but i don't have any money which you are a princess you have all the money and you this have all is, the seashells right but this is where ursula the the crux of the film really comes up Yeah. Because Ursula's like, I can make you a human for three days, and Eric will, if he kisses you, you'll stay there permanently, but you need to give me your voice. When you put it like that, I don't see what the problem is. My voice is beautiful. She's not quite convinced yet. She gets convinced when Ariel, uh, I mean, when Ursula rapid raps at her about how men actually don't like women who talk. Here we here. Because, yeah, because he, she goes, it's hilarious. I never actually paid attention to the lyrics until today when I watched it with subtitles on. Oh. And this, ra- okay, so first of all, she goes, you'll have your looks, your pretty face, and don't underestimate the importance of body language. And here's where she goes, the men that there don't like a lot of blabber. They think a girl who gossips is a bore. Yet on land, it's much preferred for ladies not to say a word. And after all, dear, what is idle babble for? Come on, they're not all that impressed with conversation. True gentlemen avoid it when they can. But they don't swoon and fawn on a lady who's withdrawn. It's she who holds her tongue who gets the man. That's a whole verse. Shut up and get that dick is yeah. a whole verse in this song. Zip it. Ring it. Wave it. Good ladies are meant to be seen, not heard. Not heard. That's exactly what this whole thing is. And then the rest of it, the rest of the song is her... Pressuring Ariel to sing it. I can probably do this as fast as she does it.
1: Sorry, I want to say one line, though. That, that Please is do. I'm just
0: trying to look at all this. I'm if like, you want to cross oh, the bridge, my sweet, you've got, you've to, got pay to pay the, the toll. toll. Yep. Um, and she says this all in one breath, by the way. She does this whole thing, go. If you want to cross the bridge, my sweet, you've got to pay the toll. Take a gulp and take a breath and go ahead and sign the scroll. Flotsam, jetsam, now I've got her boys. The boss is on a roll. This is when she breathes. <laughs> you can hear it in the song Mm -hmm. she does that whole thing just like it's really impressive it is impressive and i can see why she signed the contract because if someone was talking that loud and that fast in my ear i might also be like well there's also like you you know
1: there's the element of this where she's a 16 year old and she has an authority figure kind of talking
0: at her and telling her and but, but she's also saying here like but i cut out this part where she's saying like go ahead, just make a choice. I'm really busy. I don't have all day. It doesn't cost that much. Just your voice, you poor unfortunate soul. It's sad, but she's basically heckling her being like, look, if you don't want it, get out. I'm busy. It's just yeah. your voice. It's not that big of a deal. Either take it or leave it. I don't have time for this.
1: Yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, I get it. She was a little bit pressured. She got some peer pressure going on there. She signed the contract. Um, maybe if sebastian had been there with her he would have been like let's take this home and think about it
0: yeah but he was too busy being uh, tied up no tied up by uh, flotsam and jetsam yeah flotsam and jetsam tied up sebastian and flounder
1: (laughs) oh that was the other thing that was kind of funny to me about this um sebastian does show up and he is about to say something besides uh before flotsam and jetsam like you said tie them up Ariel is over yeah she sees that they're tied up
0: and she well, doesn't she really them. think about it. <laughs> well, and I think that, as you said, with the that this goes back to two things. Number one, she's being offered something she genuinely wants. Yeah. And she has also seen that Ursula does have the power to do it. Like, this is a thing she didn't think was possible, but it's like, no, I, I have the magic and I really can do it. This is an option. Yeah. And she's also saying, like, I'm not killing you. I'm giving you your you, I'm taking your voice, but it's like you don't have to leave your friends like you may never see your parents again, but that's a, that's between you and your family. Like I'm just taking your voice. Everything else is not up to me. I think if,
1: if Ariel (laughs) were just a little bit smarter, she would have negotiated and been like, can I at least say yes and no? (laughs)
0: Well, shake your head, nod your head. Yeah.
1: It doesn't (laughs) happen. Ariel barely knows how to communicate anyway. So that's fine. She's 16. You barely know how to communicate. You're a 16 year old. Um, she also might have wanted to think about how incredibly unrealistic it is for to, to get somebody to fall in love with you in three days. But I guess she fell in love in about two seconds.
0: Yeah, it was very so, quick because she's like damn immediately.
1: Yeah, this is a long weekend of potential romance. But I, I would argue that if if I were hanging out with somebody for three days, um, <laughs> i might give them a kiss i couldn't tell you if it's true love's kiss
0: no and she knew she loved him um after just getting the statue
1: yeah she's real lucky that eric did end up liking her because this movie would have gone very sideways if ariel showed up and eric was like oh i'm not into women thank you
0: but lucky for him it, it, for her it is
1: <laughs> i'm into grimsby <laughs> that's our. that's actually our deal
0: he's he's my uh lifetime partner my lifetime butler my life my life partner thank you thank you um but yeah um she signs the contract
1: she signs the contract (laughs) because frankly (laughs) why couldn't afford not to
0: it's true and i also like that ursula starts the spell now not and doesn't give her an air bubble or anything they're at the bottom of the ocean and she's like good luck i know like good good fucking luck um sorry i just want to
1: i just want to ask why why the jonas brothers to choose to do a cover of poor unfortunate
0: souls i don't know what the rest of your galley keep talking because i'm gonna be busy for the next five minutes
1: Trying to watch this, it just makes no. Uh, sense. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm
0: listening to it right now.
1: Yeah, but but they have them doing a cover of it
0: in um, front of a son- a pool,
1: a pool. Um, but I have to say,
0: God, they're so young in this.
1: But but just the just the concept of a man or a boy sing this song. Including, I'm assuming they're going to. They were kidding the when part. they called me
0: kind of strange. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't to assume that they are That's including funny. the part where they talk about Ugh. the men up there don't like a lot of blabber. I'm just oh, saying. Wait, wait,
0: wait! I'm gonna. You're gonna Yeah, they on. are. They, 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 they do. Okay, so we literally have Disney mansplaining to us. Joe Jonas is right now telling me that the they think that girls who gossip is a bore.
1: Disney, I and, don't. Uh, think Nick this Jonas a...
0: is uh taking off his shirt. I don't. I just.
1: I feel like this might have been a little bit of a miss.
0: <laughs> I told you a while ago oh. that the, um, they also did a um, Hillary and Haley Duff version of We Are Siamese. Like, oh, there's a lot of really strange misses in here.
1: There's a lot of like,
0: <laughs> bizarre choices. I'm just saying, I, Disney, you guys have enough lawyers. Also, I, I we just now have gotten to Ursula Casting or Spell, and we're about to come up on two hours. Oh! <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I, I kicked my headphones off. I don't know how you can do that.
1: I stepped on I the cord. Really... Oh, I stepped okay. on the cord. I, your leg did not, I did not watch your leg go up high. No, enough.
0: no, I didn't hurt
1: you or anything. <laughs> you didn't showgirl kick your headphones off? Your head. No, I didn't. <laughs> no you're right we we have we have been chatting for two hours hours. and our little mermaid doesn't even
0: have legs yet no i think we're only halfway through the movie so i think that we should do we should do a two-parter on this and actually make it a real two-parter unlike last time where we just stopped recording for a second because i needed to pee (laughs) like a proper outro because we have gotten about halfway through the movie guys we need about a week uh for us to pee and then we'll come back yeah but i mean we can actually like i think that we're in a reasonable place to like kind of tie things up right now, because this is, I think this is where the movie does. It's really like, a it's, this is the end of the first act. Yeah. Yeah, This is the end of the first act because, you know, we've met all of our main characters. We've met everyone that's going to come into play. And unlike in previous Disney films, I do have to say like everyone from the romantic lead to the side characters does have a personality. You know, they've they've invested the time clearly into this movie with character development, even for characters like Flounder and Sebastian, mm-hmm. who don't s- actually say a whole lot, but are important. And, you know, Eric, as a romantic interest, isn't just like, oh, look, cute boy. He has a bit of gumption to him, a bit His of personality. Well, <laughs> it's exactly that. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I agree with you. Um, this is this is the right spot to pause uh, because I'm pretty sure that our next conversation really has legs.
0: You're welcome. The silence is deafening. No, I was laughing, but I, you guys couldn't see I had my sweater up in front of my face. I'm weirdly tactile and sometimes I like to do that. And I was just laughing too hard. <laughs> I was laughing um, quietly into my sweater.
1: Well, guys, as you may have guessed, next week, we're going to be continuing to discuss The Little Mermaid. We So uh, if you haven't already, um, watch the movie. Watch the second half of the movie. Uh, and tell us your opinions on which version of a mermaid do you prefer? The part with a human half on the top or the part with a fish half on the top? Your call. But... Your call.
0: It's been a while since I heard the dogs, and I'm, I need to go make sure that they're not on a burning ship.
1: That's very important.
0: All right, I'm going to go check on that. So long, Glamour Boys. So long,
1: Glamour Boys.
0: Damsels Who Discuss is created and produced by Crows Nests Podcast. Your hosts are Galli Articola and Alexia Thurumalai. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Discuss, all one word. On
1: Instagram at instagram.com slash damselswhodiscuss, all one word again.
0: And on Twitter at twitter.com slash damselswhodisco, because Twitter has a character limit.
1: Or you can also email us at damselswhodiscuss at gmail.com. So long, Glamour Boys! So long,
0: Glamour Boys! (laughs)